Amen. Will you pray with me, church? And as we pray this morning, Father, and as we have sung, there is no name like the name of Jesus. The book of Acts tells us. There is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved in the name of Jesus. We read in the book of Philippians that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no name that matches the name of Jesus. And we bow ourselves before you today, Father, in worship. We thank you that you have opened our eyes and our hearts to the reality and the power of the name of Jesus. And I pray this morning for those, Father, who have never done that, who have never come to realize that there is a name before which they will one day bow. Every person will. And friend, today, if that's you, may, may I say a personal word to you? You can, right now, open your heart to Jesus. Right where you stand this morning. Right where you stand physically, but right where you stand in your life right now. You don't have to fix anything. You don't have to clean anything up. You simply come and say, Lord, I bring you my life, my brokenness, my failures, my sin, my goodness, everything that I have. I bring everything to you. And I bow before you. King of kings and Lord of lords, King Jesus, I receive you as my Savior now. I receive you as my Lord. Father, I pray all around this room there will be those who will do that, those listening on the radio, those listening online, and Father, just that this might be a day of salvation by your Spirit sweeps throughout, not only here in Fruit Cove and Northeast Florida, but just throughout the nations, Father. May your will be done as we bring ourselves before the powerful, the matchless name that is above every name, and that is the name of Jesus. For it is in his name that we pray, and if you agree with that, may all God's people say amen, amen. amen. Please take your seats. The Bible tells us that we are to set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. Set our minds on things above, not on things of the earth. We are to be thinking about eternal things more than we probably do. We're very earthbound in our thinking. We're very earthbound in our concerns. Most of us came in today and you have earthbound concerns. You have relational concerns or concerns with a marriage or your children or just life, making money, surviving, you know, how, you know, I hope my retirement doesn't run out. I mean, we got all those kinds of issues and they're very earthbound. But the Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. And I want us to do that today. Now, you know, if, if we don't, and I think we have created a Christianity without any reference to an eternity. We talk about heaven a little bit every now and then. But somewhere in the past decades, we have just completely removed the subject of eternity and heaven from our conversation. And what we're left with is a gospel 
that is basically a gospel that says, just try harder, just be better, do the best you can. And let me tell you something. There's no good news in that gospel. There's no good news. The word gospel means good news. There's no good news in that. A gospel that has hope, good news, is what we need. And to do that, we need to think about eternity. Now, I'm, I'm not just saying today, hey, you need to think about this if you're old and you're getting ready to, you know, go there, because uh, I'm <laughs> with you. Uh, I get that, but that's not what I'm talking about today. All of us. I, I would ask you this question. Why would Christians throughout the centuries be willing to die for a gospel that just made life better here and now. The fact that they were willing to lay their lives down is evidence that there's something better waiting. There's something greater waiting. And, and this is kind of where we've been going the past few weeks before Easter and now today as we continue and pick up a little bit for the next couple of weeks after Easter uh, I want us to continue to, to lean on this. Now, we're going to go to a passage today, and I doubt very seriously that most of you listening are going to hear anything brand new today. You know this passage well. I, you may have it memorized, but I know you probably know it well. And I'm not trying to bring you some new uh, thing to, to tickle your ears. I'm trying to remind you of the hope that we know we have, but sometimes we forget about it. And all I'm doing today is reminding you of what you have. Now, it may be news to some of you that you have it, but most of us, this is going to just be a reminder. But let's look again at what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Uh, those who have, we say, passed away. Those who have died. We, we call it that. The Bible calls it going to sleep. For those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another, comfort one another with these words. Everything you need to know about what's going to happen to you or what happened to a loved one of yours who has passed away is right here. Now, we want to take passages like this and go, okay, I know that, but what about this? You know, one of the first questions we ask in this passage is, well, when is this going to happen? Well, guess what? It doesn't say when. And if anybody tells you they know when, they're lying to you. They don't know. Nobody knows. Jesus said, I don't know. Paul said, I don't know. How do you know? 
You think you found some little clues in the Bible to put together? Oh, this is when it's going to happen. No, you don't know. And there's a reason you don't know. If, if Jesus had wanted you to know, he would have written it right here. I'm coming back in 2034, so get ready. He could have said that. He did not say that. We don't know. Stop moving into areas where the Bible just really doesn't bother to tell you things, and let's lean into the stuff that it does tell us. Because that's where the hope is. That's where our hope lies, and I want us to make sure we find that hope as we talk about this today. We're going we're gonna to kind of, it, it, this is not dark, but it's important. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what does happen when people die. What happens to you when you die? What happens to your loved one when they die? Uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm not going to answer all the questions today. I'm sure you have more than I could have time to answer. But uh, before we go back into talking some more about heaven, the, the new heavens and new earth, I want to deal with this. This has to be dealt with also. There's a lot of confusion about death in our culture. Uh, you know, people believe when you die, you become an angel. You don't. You probably weren't an angel here. <laughs> and you ain't going to be one there. It's not going to happen. You're not going to become an angel. That's a different class of beings. Some believe when we die, it just stops. We simply cease. We decay. Death brings nothing but emptiness and an end. Or when we die, we become something else. A bird. An auto mechanic in Indiana. A frog or a dragonfly, life doesn't end. It just keeps reincarnating itself in another iteration, another form. Others believe when we die, we will go to the good place. The good place, you know. I'm, I'm referencing the TV show, The Good Place, which seems to have some people's attention about what the afterlife would look like. Basically, it means you're going to spend eternity with Ted Danson, so that's not a good thing. Uh, <laughs> but this show, I mean, everybody doesn't go to heaven. Everybody doesn't go to the good place. And that's something else that we get confused about. Others believe when we die, we become a ghost, a phantom, shadows of our former self or a zombie. We become some other being in that way. That's not true. And others believe when we die, according to Eastern religions, we blend in oneness with the universe and we find nirvana, not the band the state of mind, okay? So that, that doesn't happen. But, you know, the question that was troubling the Thessalonian believers, and the Bible is written, most of the letters in Scripture are written to answer a question, to answer questions that were happening and occurring in the early church. So Paul wrote to answer questions. And the specific question being asked was, what happens to our loved ones who have now died? Jesus hadn't come back yet. We thought he was going to come back by now. He hadn't. And now my, my mother has died, my loved one has died, my child has died, my spouse has died. Now what? What happens to them in the second coming? What, how does this work out? So Paul addresses that, that specific kind of thing. And, and he wanted to give them hope because he could sense they were hopeless about this. He wanted them to have real hope, not speculation, not guesswork. The Bible gives us, uh, the hope the Bible gives us, the hope the Word of God gives us, is different than the way we somehow sometimes experience hope. There's two kinds of hope, uh, and, and uh, we only have one word to describe it in the English language. So the hope that we talk about covers a lot of territory. But there's two kinds of hope. Let me, let me put it this way. Some of our ladies here, when you were little, you went to a wedding, or you were in a wedding. You were the bridesmaid or whatever. You were in the wedding. 
And you came away from that experience absolutely fascinated, blown away by it. And you started dreaming about your big day. That day when you were going to be the bride walking down the aisle. And so you start dreaming, you start thinking about it. Now you don't have a boyfriend, you may not even like boys yet, but you're dreaming about that big day. And, and you know, you, you, have, you put your stuff in a box. What's it called? A, a what? A hope chest. You, just, you know, this is your big day. This is, you know, I'm, ho- I'm hoping for my big day. That's what it's for. But then one day, he swoops into your life on a white stallion. He rides into your life. He scoops you off your feet. He puts a ring on your finger, and he whispers June 4th in your ear. Now, what you had speculated and hoped for has changed. Now, it's reality. Now, you have a date. You have a fiance. You have a ring. Now, you see the difference in the two kinds of hope. A lot of people today have the first kind of hope when it comes to eternity. I hope I'll go to heaven when I die. I hope there's a heaven out there. I hope that'll happen. But they have no ground of proof of truth for their hope. Christians, however, have a bridegroom and you have a promise and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you as a guarantee that this is going to happen. What's the difference in those two? Well, the difference is One is grounded in reality. The other is grounded in speculation. What happens to us when we die? It's an important question. This is not just uh, morbid curiosity. This is not just an idle conversation. Uh, This past week in our culture, let me just tell you where we are right now. In our culture, this past week, I read an article about two artificial intelligence startups getting used to hearing that term. It's going to be all over life now. Two startups, and their, their, their specific focus uh, was, is working with helping you help your loved one live forever. You know how they suggest we do that? You send them all the pictures, all the data, all the information, all the videos you can of your loved one. And you know what they're going to do for you? They're going to make an avatar of that person that you can now interact with. You can talk to. You can, it looks like them. It even sounds like them when they talk because they synthesize their voice. They pull all kinds of information in from the internet. They roll it into, into chat GPT and they come out with scripts and they come out with ways for you to actually, they're calling it uploading your loved one's consciousness into that computer. That's how we understand now how we can overcome death. You become an avatar in a computer. I guess that's another option that the world looks at today. And this is not something they're just kind of, you know, imagining in in 2054 or something. They're saying by the end of this year, They'll be able to do this. 
That's what, let me tell you what that means. That means if you have to go and prepare a funeral for someone by the end of this year, they're going to be selling you an avatar, a program, the ability to be able to remember your loved one forever on a computer disk. And that's where the world is. This, is. this is groundless hope. This is hope with no foundation. This is hope with no truth. You have a hope that has a foundation. You have a hope that is based on truth, not speculation. And this is what I want us to look at for a few moments this morning. God's word tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4 how you are going to overcome death. What does this mean? How do we do this? The, apostles, the Apostle Paul said, I don't want you to be uninformed. Now, the older version, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. Uh, some of us take offense at that word, but it basically means I don't want you to not have the information you need. So he's giving you data. He's giving you information. He's giving you hard facts. He's giving you a foundation to base your hope on about those who have gone to sleep in Christ. First of all, this is what he says. Death is normal. Death is normal. This is not an abnormal conversation. People die. Uh, we've done a study on it. You know, one out of one people die. And, and there's, you know, and, and that's just what's going to happen. Death is normal and grief is necessary. Grief is necessary. Tears need to be shed over those that we love. Leighton Ford, who served for years alongside Billy Graham, lost a 21-year-old son. Wrote a book about it. And in that book, he said, our biggest problem, mine and my wife's biggest problem, was reconciling our emotions with our faith. We knew what was true. It just didn't feel true at the time. So reconciling your emotions with you, that's what grief is. That's that season when you're trying to pull what you know together with how you feel when you're falling apart on the inside. And a lot of us can say a silent amen to that. My sister-in-law taught me when the, in the early months after my wife died, I had a lot of people just asking, very kindly, very nice, just saying, how are you doing? And I, I didn't know, you know, I, I, so do I be honest? I, should I be honest with them? How are you doing? Well, it just really stinks right now if you want to know the truth. You know, it's, just, it's just really kind of awful. There's no way to come out of that conversation. So she said, try this. She said, when people ask you that, just tell them, I'm grieving nicely, thank you. And you know what? I started using that and it helped. I, I'm grieving. But I'm not grieving as those without hope. I'm not grieving endlessly. I'm not grieving shut down over. I'm, I'm, I'm learning to grieve nicely. There is such a thing. And that's what we do. We do grieve, but not as those without hope. We we don't grieve endlessly. It is our hope in the resurrection. Why, does, why is last week important? Why is Easter important? Because it's not just about Jesus' resurrection. Folks, it's about yours. What happened to Jesus is going to happen to you. Resurrection is coming. And it's our hope in the resurrection of Jesus that gives us hope for the resurrection of those who have already passed into the Lord's presence and for the day when we go to sleep in Christ and then they and we will rise. That's what's going to happen. This is what Paul said the sequence is going to be. Secondly, death is sleeping. Death is sleeping. And reunion is coming. Let's first of all understand the language. You know, many of us today uh, have, have loved ones who have gone on ahead of us and died in Christ. Now, it's interesting to me, the Bible has a very clear word for death. 
but it does not use that word usually in connection to believers. It uses the word asleep. The word cemetery is a word that means sleeping place. Those who are in Christ, those who have passed away, your body has ceased working, your body has ceased functioning, but it, it is like Jesus said, and Paul is saying, it is like sleep. It's temporary. When you go to sleep, you don't stay asleep forever. Some of you don't stay asleep nearly long enough. You need to take a nap today to be better. But the believer in Jesus Christ, when they pass away, goes immediately into the Lord's presence. You know, we kind of take the 23rd Psalm where it says, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you're with me. That's a great song. We usually apply that to that poor person who has passed away. They had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. No, they didn't. The promise for those folks is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You are walking through the valley of the shadow of death if you're grieving today. You walk through it. The promise that Jesus makes is for those who are grieving, not for the person who has passed away because there is no valley for them to walk through. There is no shadow of death unless they don't know the Savior. There is none of that. This is for those who are left behind who grieve, and we do grieve. And it feels like you're in a valley when you're doing that. The conscious soul, and this is a whole different message, but we don't really know for sure what the soul is. It's, it's eternal. God breathed it into us. He, he breathed, the Old Testament said, he breathed into Adam and Eve a nefesh, a living soul. We're not sure. It's part of God. It's part of, we don't know what it is, but it's eternal. And it's the essence of who you are. Your body is not the essence of who you are. Your body's important, and resurrection is going gonna, is gonna to be a physical thing. But the soul is the, the essence of who you are as a person. You have a body that you express that through. But that essence of you never ceases to live. It never stops living, not for a moment. It doesn't go to sleep in the grave. Your body stops functioning for a while. There is an interruption. Your body stops functioning for a while. But, you know, when that funeral is taking place down here and you're standing up saying all the nice things about the person or, or not, uh, that person is, is with the Lord. Amen. They're not here. They're not in the room. Uh, I will debate with you all day long over whether or not they're even here or would you want to attend your own funeral? I'm not sure I would, but they're not here. The, the frame, the form that they express themselves through in this life is here, but it doesn't work now because it's asleep. But the person that was in that frame, in that form, in that tent, if you would use a Bible word, is with the Lord now. And they're fine. They're better off than you are. Let me tell you something. Even, you know, we, we think about people sometimes who were sick, maybe with cancer, or they were just old, they just had all kinds of problems. You know, oh, they're so much better off now. Let me tell you something. If a 35-year-old person died in a car wreck, God forbid, that happens. But if it happened, they're better off now too. 
If you're with the Lord, you're better off now, period. You don't have to be sick and really bad off down here and think, well, I just need to hang on down here and try to do the best I can and feel the best I can, and this is really life. No, that's really life. You're in boot camp right now. (laughs) Marines, anybody in the room? Okay. Tell us about boot camp, how fun that was. And that's where we are now. If you're with the Lord, you're better off. Paul said, you know, for, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, to die as profit. That's what he said. It's profitable for me to die. Not, oh, I'm dreading that. Boy, I don't want to die. No, he said, hey, that's payday. I, I, I'm, it's gain. He uses a financial word to describe what it's like. To me, to live as Christ, die as gain. To depart and be with Christ is better by far than what? Than anything in this life. That's what it is. Than anything in this life. Death is sleeping. There's a reunion coming, though. There's a reunion coming. You don't die. We don't die. Nobody dies. If you're a Christian today, I want you to get this in your, in your heart, in your head, but also in your heart, in your thoughts. You're never going to die. You get this, right? You don't get it because you don't look like you get it today. You're not going to die. Some of you look like I'm ready to die right now. You know, no, no. You're not going to die. It's, it's never going to happen to you. Why? How do you say that, Pastor? Jesus promised it twice. In the exact word, you will not die. Will you let that soak in? That ought to carry you for at least a week. Wow. So so what is all this stuff we go through here? It looks like death to me. No, this is just putting the tent up. This is just, you know, packing the tent away. You don't need it anymore for a while. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. While we're waiting, some of you are waiting today, we're looking forward to a reunion. Now, Paul talks about two reunions here. He talks about, first of all, there's going to be a reunion when all those who are with him now, how many of you have somebody you know that's with the Lord right now? I mean, you know their name. You know who they are. Look at this room. Okay, so you know somebody who is with the Lord right now. So when he comes back, they're coming back with him. Okay, get the sequence here. They're coming back with him. They're going to return at the, at the, with the shout, with the, voice of the arch, with the voice of the archangel, loud, loud enough to wake the dead. And the trumpet of God. It's going to be a noisy coming. We talk about the secret coming of Jesus. No, there ain't no secret here. It's going to be loud. And the graves are going to bust open. And the bodies of those who have passed away are going to be reunited with their souls. There's eternal spirit in the sky. They're going to be with their body. There's the first reunion. But then you know what else? When you get that and you get that body locked in and whatever transition happens and transformation happens and Charlie, you're not taking that wheelchair with you, brother. That ain't happening. And so when you get there and and you get this body and then guess what's going to happen? Then you get to have a reunion with the person that you just raised your hand about. You're going to see them too. So there's two reunions. It's the body body and spirit reunion. It is a reunion of people. 
be a lot of hugging going on, I think. Wow. And the more people you have up there, oh, the sweeter it's going to be when the day comes. If you're still here, that's fine. Paul said if you're up there, it's even better. The question is, would you rather come down or go up? Would you rather return or go up? You're going to do one or the other. I don't know which you're most looking forward to. I'm not sure. I don't know which one I'd pick. But either way, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And why do we need a body, by the way? How much time do I have? Why do, why do we need a body? <laughs> why do we need a body? If, if, if we're going to be floating around up in heaven on clouds, what do you need a body for to do that? Unless we get this wrong. You are not floating around in the sky, in heaven. That's not what you do. You're going to have a body. You know what your body needs? Oh, it needs kind of what it needs right now. It needs to be fed. You know what you're going to get to do with that body? You're going to get to eat. You're going to get to eat. And, and you know, Jesus showed us that. This is why the resurrection is so Study the resurrection. Study what happened to Jesus because the same thing's going to happen to you. You're going to get the same experience. Jesus ate, and it didn't fall to the ground. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a specter. He was Jesus. He was in his body, and it was hungry. He ate fish. Jesus could embrace and be embraced. He could walk through walls, walk into a, a locked room without opening the door. Wouldn't that be fun? Scare your friends? I mean, that's, that's pretty good. You know, you could sneak in. Listen to what they're saying about you when you're not in the room. You know, you can tell them. Okay. But just think, you have this body, this resurrection. This is your eternal place. And, and we're, I'm sure we haven't even touched on everything that, that's going to be, we're going to be able to do. You don't have a body. The resurrection is a physical thing. It is a bodily resurrection. You're going to have a glorified body that is going to be reunited with your eternal spirit and that's what you have to look forward to. This is the way it's going to be. And let me get to my last point. First of all, let me say resurrection is assured and Christ will return. The centerpiece, the stack pole of our thinking about death is the promise of the resurrection. You cannot think rightly about death without thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's amazing to me how many funerals I hear that never reference, never talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Well, you don't even, you're not even thinking straight if you're not talking about the resurrection of Jesus. Christ, we are assured, we are told, he's, he's the first fruits of those who would be raised. So you're gonna be just like him. It's a picture of just what you're gonna be like when you are reunited with your body and your body is glorified in that moment. This is the word, the, the word rapture we, we use uh, is, is not technically in the Bible. The word is actually caught up. You're gonna be caught up it's almost a violent term. You're going to be yanked out of the ground like a harvest, like wheat that's been growing. Okay, and you're being harvested. You're being pulled up. You're being yanked. You're going to be, you're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's going to be a great moment when the trumpet sounds. And those who remain will be with him forever. In that moment, there's going to be a reunion of still living souls of those who have passed on with their bodies that were planted like seeds in the ground. 
But resurrection doesn't happen until that moment. Listen, if you have a loved one that's gone on before you, I, I'm going to get, here's the thing. I am going to be resurrected in the same moment that Pam is going to be resurrected. She, is, she has been, she's been gone. She's been asleep in the Lord now for over five years. But I get my body the same time she does. She hasn't beat me to resurrection. All y'all, everybody, all of us get our bodies at the same time. How about that? We're all going to experience the glorification of our bodies at the same moment. There's not a phased in kind of deal. Nobody but Jesus has been resurrected yet. Nobody. How do I know? Because I haven't been resurrected yet. When I get resurrected, then everybody else is getting resurrected, and that's going to be what's happening. But in that, until that moment to say somebody is resurrected, they're not. They're not resurrected in heaven yet. Because, why? Well, their body's still here. Their body needs to go with them in resurrection. That's how that helps. That's how it works. So anyway, I've got, listen, I'm, 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 I can talk about this all day, so I'm going to go ahead and stop. But let me, you know, Paul just said, listen, I don't want you to be uninformed about this. I don't want you to not think about this. I don't, I want, I don't want you to not dream about this. I don't, I don't want you to not imagine what it's going to be like in that moment when this happens. I told a, I told a story, probably told it here several times, uh, about a uh, seminary professor of mine named Dale Moody, whose dad died, or whose mom died. And he and his brothers had returned home to help their dad with with the funeral. Dad was an old country preacher and, and uh, they went through all the, you know, the, the visitation and the meal and everything. And it was, it was the, toward the end of the day, it was almost dark and the old man was sitting on the front porch in the swing where he and his wife had sat probably every night for decades swinging together in the evening. And he was sitting there swinging along and Dr. Moody came out on the porch for a moment and one of his brothers joined him. And then they said, Dad said something. Dad said, boys, take me back to the cemetery. And they said, Dad, We've already been there today. It's almost dark. You're tired. We don't need to go. And he said, boys, take me back to the cemetery. He said they knew better than to argue with dad, so they put him in the car. Drove back a couple of miles from their house. A little country church and behind it, a little hillside where the grave was placed. They said they stopped the car. He got out of the car by himself. He didn't want them to walk up with him. And he made his way up the hill. Came to the grave. Flowers still on it. And uh, he knelt down. And he looked at the grave. His sons weren't sure what was happening, so they got out of the car. They came closer. And they heard him say this. 
He said, this is exactly the way I wanted it to be. This is exactly the way I wanted it to be. And then he got up. He looked at his sons. He said, let's go home, boys. It's been a good day. It's been a very good day. You know how you get to say that? You have hope. You have hope. How could you stand at the grave of your spouse? And say, this is how I wanted it to be. I used to share that story. Pam would sit right over here and she didn't like it. We'd get out in the car and sometimes she'd say, so you want me to die first? <laughs> and I said, well, that's not really what I'm saying. I'm trying to find a way out. You know, I mean, you got to wiggle out of these things sometimes. And I'm, I'm trying to crawfish a little bit, pull back. And I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. And that's not what he was saying. He was saying he loved his wife so much that he did not want her to feel the pain of having to go through this life without him. And again, if you have hope, it's a prayer you can pray. He knew the end. He knew how this was going to all work out, but he did not want her to feel what he was feeling in that moment because it was hard. But at the same time, here's Paul. It was a good day. It was a good day because the day's not over yet. Christ is coming and the dead in Christ will rise when that happens. Let me pray for us. Father, I know that uh, there are questions that many of us have that I, I know I haven't gotten close to even asking. But Father, I would pray that for every person here as they leave today that they might hear what has been said with hope that would reinforce what they believe, reinforce what they know to be true because of Jesus. Will you give them grace, Father? If they don't know you, would you help them to see the grace that you offer, the gift that you offer freely, a forgiveness of sin because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for them? And will you grant us your peace Will you grant us the ability to see beyond this world, to not just live for this world, but to live for a greater world that's coming. And we thank you that we have that ability and that hope because of Jesus Christ. And now, 
we bring ourselves to you in this time of commitment as we sing and those who need to make decisions as they come. But we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, church family. You come as God leads you now.